Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast. I'm Alina Martin. And I'm Lucinda Rouse. We're reporters at Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Nana Crawford, social media manager at the British Red Cross, and Hannah Akit, a strategist at the marketing agency Raw London. But to get us in the spirit of the season... Yes, we're now well into December and it is indeed beginning to look a lot like Christmas. The fairy lights are up at Third Sector Towers, although the entire team managed to stage an accidental boycott of the company's Christmas jumper day earlier in the week. I didn't actually realise there was a Christmas party until yesterday. Fortunately, we have been dragged into the festive season just in time for this week's discussion, which will be focusing on charity Christmas campaigns. While the real professionals behind these campaigns were about six months ahead of us, this seems like a good time to appreciate the fruits of their labour. I have to say the shelter ad really made me cry. Mm. Um, For anyone who may not have seen it, it's called Brave Face. And basically it follows a little boy who we quickly realise is not having the best day. And all throughout the day, we see him practice a smile in the mirror. And whenever bad things happen, whether it's getting a bad mark on a test or the school canteen runs out of pudding, he just smiles despite things going terribly for him. And it's all very cute until we see him and his mum arrive at a dingy temporary accommodation. And in the very last scene, we see the mum crouch down and say to him, this is where we'll be spending Christmas, darling. And he just does the smile that he's practiced throughout the day. And then it cuts to a black screen with the text, no child should have to put on a brave face. And by this point, I am sobbing by myself in my room. It's heart-wrenching. It's such a good ad. How about you? Yeah, I also love that advert. And that little boy's forced smile is definitely the thing that stayed with me since the first time I watched it and we are going to talk a little bit more about that advert with our guests Um, but as for me after the past couple of muted years for in-person Christmas events for me it's got to be the Santa Dash. Uh, Have you come across the Santa Dash? No but it sounds fun tell me more. Well I have to confess I've never actually taken part in one myself but I love the idea. Um, It's a charity run with all participants in matching Father Christmas suits most of them complete with beards and Liverpool's park christmas savings santa dash claims to be the biggest and longest running run and they had about five thousand participants this year there are now numerous spin-offs across the country and there's just something so irreverent to me about a bunch of largely female bearded (laughs) santas i love it it does sound fun i personally am not a runner but i would love to watch one or just kind of be surprised by one as i walk down the street (laughs) that sounds fun suddenly you're in a sea of santas Now it's time to introduce our guests for the week. Nana Crawford is the social media manager at the British Red Cross. She's been the brains behind numerous social media campaigns and strategies to help build brand awareness. She and her team have won a slew of awards, including Best Use of TikTok and Social Media Team of the Year at the Drum Social Media Awards. We're very happy to have her in the studio. Welcome, Nana. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. And do you have a favourite charity campaign of the year? I do. For me, I think this year in particular, the campaign from Shelter has stood out for me. Same. It's really good. I think for what it was, for me in particular, was when it came on TV, I was in the living room with my daughter 
and I watched it and I didn't notice at the time because she was standing kind of lurking somewhere mm. um probably her hand in the cookie jar just <laughs> <laughs> and she saw it as well and she was like why is that boy smiling when everything is really bad yeah like why would he still be smiling if everything's really bad and it was the first time for me that I had this whole notion of like a charity campaign impacting my daughter yeah and her questioning that was like oh okay now I'm gonna have to parent like I'm gonna have to parent (laughs) and explain and just you know she's not oblivious to what's happening in the world but I think for her it was because the tv advert has a young boy it was relatable for her she thought this is someone my age that's going through similar stuff so at school you know and then goes home and then the lockers and all that kind of stuff and I think for her she was like what's happening here so I had to sit down with her and kind of talk about how life can sometimes be really unfair um and it was a great chance for me to talk about shelter actually and what they do and then she was like so charities help people and I was like yes she's like I want to work for I'm going to start my own charity and I was like okay great I was like what's your charity going to be it's going to be a charity to help me I'm like that's not the point of charity (laughs) but I like I like the motivation but I think the reason it stood out for me is because it had a young boy and my daughter was able to relate I think for other parents and I think for other people it was it kind of opens the audience to a much younger demographic you know we talk about how people relate to people they see when they see people like them it feels relatable and relevant that for me is what that advert did and that's always stuck with me and that made me want to donate because I thought that you know shelter really hit the nail on the head in terms of making everyday situations that children go through relatable but also making you think about those situations and that if you see a child smiling are they smiling through grief and smiling through pain and what's happening Mm. well also with us today is hannah akett a strategist at the creative agency raw london she works with charities and companies to help turn insights into campaigns and she previously worked at vso and the british heart foundation hello hannah hi guys thanks so much for having me Well, thank you so much for being here. And instead of asking you for your number one campaign, could I go a step further and ask you to give us a quick roundup of your favourite campaigns of the festive season? Yeah, this is my favourite game to play at this time of year. And (laughs) I have to say that Nana has definitely stolen one of them. The Shelter, the Brave Face campaign is just brilliant. Always so impressed by what Shelter does. I think they're really good at sticking to their bold and brave Mm. brand campaigning voice and I think that finding sometimes a really emotional and kind of magic Christmas story out of that and that fits with that and works with that is quite difficult for them so I think they did a really brilliant job with this campaign to find that kind of way into a more emotional Christmas story um, and look at homelessness from a different angle as well. Some other campaigns that I've been really impressed with this year, I mean, would it be a Christmas campaign podcast if we didn't talk about the John Lewis? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure it would. (laughs) I'm not sure it would. I think, I mean, there's been lots of really positive receptions to it this year, more positive than ever. It really feels like they've kind of delved much deeper into a subject that really matters it's really important it's really relevant they've kind of scaled back some of the cgi Mm, snow and and kind of out their magicness of it and really brought it to reality and it's something that we've noticed as an agency actually is that quite a few brands and some charities even as well are scaling back the production of their christmas adverts Mm. this year i think to meet the national mood and just show that like we get it stuff's really hard at the moment i think john lewis has done a really good job of 
championing the cause before buying stuff this year so props to to the guys working on that and um, congrats to the charities as well that it's supporting I think it's a really great one Mm. outside of that um, I was also really impressed by Samaritans um, it's a winter campaign Um, it's less Christmassy in theme than a lot of other stuff but I really wanted to give it a shout out because we all know that winter can be a really hard time for people with their mental health their campaign's called Break the Silence um, and they released a video which is kind of it's just really striking creative it follows kind of there's one person you see them face on sort of one VO it's not a lot going on it's not complicated creative at all but it's really hard hitting and what I really love is it kind of starts to pan out and it starts in talking about some really difficult times that he's gone through and sort of what it's like dealing with mental health problems and then as the camera zooms out the light becomes brighter and it turns out that he's now actually a Samaritans volunteer and he's helping people um, who were in a position that he was once in and I just think it's a really lovely different angle and a really brilliant way of storytelling bringing in need and sort of how someone feels when they're in that position to then it kind of coming full circle and then them being able to kind of pass on that support to other people. Should we maybe take a listen to it? Let's. Silence can be so painful. When I was struggling with my thoughts, that silence was excruciating. I couldn't bring myself to talk about it. How could I? No one talks about suicide. Instead, I kept my feelings locked up inside. Even when I called Samaritans, all I could come out with was silence. But that was okay. When I was ready to talk, they were there to listen. If it wasn't for Samaritans, I don't think I'd be alive today. Talking to them saved my life. This year, I'm the one listening. Someone in the UK dies by suicide every 90 minutes, and Samaritans can only be there for people with your donations. Please donate today so that someone like me is here to listen 24 hours a day. You can help stop suicide. Together, we can break the silence. Samaritans. Oh, that's great. It is, isn't it? I mean, for the benefit of the the listeners, the first 10, 11 seconds of of this, it's just silence and with this face Mm. gradually becoming clearer, coming out of the darkness, coming out of the silence. Mm. And what I found really captivating was the way that he maintains eye contact with you the whole time he's staring at the camera for, for the whole time that he's talking to us. And yeah, quite chilling. Amazing. Yeah, I just love, like I said, that movement from the darkness to light with this. Mm. I think that's exactly what Christmas campaigns do so brilliantly. And although this one's not as intrinsically linked to Christmas and Christmas themed, I think it still pulls on those kind of real success drivers of Christmas campaigns that balance that urgency and need and allow you to reflect on, like you were saying, Nana, allow you to reflect on kind of your situation Mm. against other people's situations. And I think that that's really strong. Mm. Do you have any others that you want to talk about? So there's one other, which I actually heard today in the car and it's a channel that doesn't often get spoken about a lot um it's not as flashy as crtv (laughs) and some of the other channels um but it's actually a radio advert from the british heart foundation who obviously i'm slightly biased towards because i started (laughs) off my fundraising career there but it was a really really beautiful advert and it talks about 
it's really linked to Christmas and it basically talks about what wouldn't have happened if someone hadn't have been able to have the kind of treatment or support um, that the British Heart Foundation's work makes possible. I don't know, it's tongue in cheek and it's funny because it's about little things that kind of are very maybe kind of pet peeves or like family annoyances at Christmas. But it's like, you know, you wouldn't have told people to come an hour early. You wouldn't have burnt the turkey. I'm not sure that's exactly one of the examples, but I'm so glad that you can and that you are here because we could have lost you sort of thing. And it's just really powerful um, and emotive and words only. I think copy only. I mean, how much heavy lifting does a radio Mm. advert have to do? And it really stuck out to me. I mean, I am slightly like conditioned to listen out for anything that's charity advertising, but it really did stand out to me. And I think it's a really beautiful example of how you can tell a story through something really simple and short and not necessarily even having any visuals to go along with it. And it's very interesting that it's radio only because later in the podcast, we will discuss, you know, what can charities who can't afford the, as you put it, flashy TV campaign, what can they do to still capitalize on this time of year and on the fact that people might be slightly more inclined Mm. to give? Absolutely. I mean, there's so many different channels and not all of them have to be as expensive and complicated and difficult as, as DRTV. You know, it's a huge investment and it's a big risk. And for a lot of smaller charities as well who have a more local supporter base, sometimes those other channels can be more effective um, yeah. because you can really get like localised radio stations. Once the BHF actually decided to advertise on the side of bin lorries in a really specific area because they were trying to target people from like a kind of local borough. Um, and it worked really well because, yeah, you don't necessarily always have to have that kind of huge in, like national campaign and be out on all those expensive channels. I think it's about listening to your audience, looking at your audience needs and trying to find these inventive ways to to reach them. And sometimes it can be more cost effective. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and we will be coming back to you in a little bit to get a bit more tips on what charities can do, even at this slightly later stage in the game. But for now, Nana, yes. um, I'll come back to you. What does the British Red Cross Christmas campaign look like this year? So for us this year, we are focused on our emergency response. So as you know, in February, Ukraine happened and that has been our biggest focus this whole year from the wider Red Cross movement in terms of the Ukrainian Red Cross, the ICRC supporting on the front line in Ukraine and then here you know we've had lots of Ukrainian refugees coming over so we've been supporting them um, on this side as well. So that's been our biggest focus and that's still our focus I think probably going to be for a while actually because we can't predict what's going to happen and so many people have been displaced as a result of that so that's been our biggest focus is supporting people coming over from Ukraine but also people settling in this country as well Um, and that's what a majority of our donations are going to so we can keep providing that support. Amazing and you're the social media manager British Red Cross (laughs) Um, how does social media fit into that and also the the wider campaigning so pretty much all charities or organizations rely heavily on their social teams because it's 
probably one of the most cost effective ways of communicating, especially if you don't have huge paid budgets, then if the content is right, the timing is right. And like Hannah was saying earlier, if you really listen to what your audience needs from you and you have a really good understanding of your audience, then you can create some really impactful organic campaigns that will spread because people can relate to what it is that you're saying. So for us, Social media is a huge part of any Christmas campaign at the British Red Cross. I would say that the biggest challenge is the fact that because we're such a large organization, there are lots of moving parts all the time. And like, although we always have one, I would say like focused appeal like Ukraine, we will have lots of other smaller appeals that want a slice of the social pie let's say we've got this beautiful pie in front of you Mm -hmm. and everyone wants a slice of it and the biggest challenge for us is to balance that because and this is the way I always describe it that if you imagine that you're talking to a friend and if that friend is your you know social channels and you're telling them about this appeal but then you're like oh buy this thing Mm -hmm. and then you keep telling about the appeal and then you're like oh look over here you're just like well what do you want me to do and sometimes social channels can be like that because you want people to focus on one thing but then you bring all these little things and then all of a sudden people are distracted so it's my team's challenge that we take on full force to look at how we can talk about all the different things happening at the British Red Cross over the period of like October, November, December, so that not only are we trying to communicate what the organisation wants from us, but also we're listening to what people are liking on the channels. And sometimes um, we'll have stuff on Instagram that you won't see on Twitter, that, you know, we'll have stuff on TikTok that won't be on Facebook. And it's because we're trying to be really specific to our audiences and also to the channel needs and understanding that we know that people on Facebook, for example, they love Christmas cards. They want Christmas cards. They want to know what they can get from our e-commerce shop. So we focus on that. People on Instagram want to know how we're supporting people internationally. So we focus on that. People on Twitter want to know what we're doing immediately with our refugee crisis. So we focus on that. Is it really as clear cut as that? Sometimes, yeah. Wow. Sometimes it can be. It's taken a while to get to this clear cutness um, and a lot of pushback from my end to say that, you know, using the data that we get from our channels to say this is what people are responding to and if we want people to donate if we want people to keep supporting us we have to make sure that we balance that whole organizational telling push 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 but also listening and understanding and responding to what people are saying to us on our channels and so do you have different strategies to engage with social media audiences at different times of the year as well so say now for christmas Mm -hmm. do you speak to people different than other times of the year So I would say that throughout the year, we always try to be direct and bold when we need to be. So this is in particular to our refugee content. We'll always try and be educational because we want people to always feel like they're learning and getting something from us. But most of all, I think for us, compassion is a huge thing for us because we know why sometimes people come to the British Red Cross because they need help. And sometimes people can come needing help and they can come with that frustration and anger and often once you have those conversations with people and I'm talking about sort of like direct messages Mm. you tend to realize that they're reaching out for help and sometimes their help can look like anger and it's just about understanding what it is that they need so you always have to deal with that in the most compassionate way but throughout the year we will flex what we're talking about in terms of the campaigns or responding to what our audience needs I mean, Ukraine is the best example. And I think COVID is also a really good example because, you know, 
four years ago, I wouldn't be thinking of planning a COVID campaign. No one would be thinking of planning a COVID campaign. And now all of a sudden, we've had to plan COVID campaigns. We've had to think about social distancing. We've had to think about working from home. We've, you know, we've had to adapt in that way. I actually think that 2020 and 2021 has led to so much changing, but also, and I don't know if Hannah would agree, that I feel like the social channels have changed a lot because of that. Like the rise of TikTok during lockdown and COVID and, you know, I think has really made people think, oh my gosh, this is a channel that we're, we need to be on because everyone else is on yeah. it. And this is where people are are making themselves seen. And this is where brands are being seen, you know. And if you think about Instagram reels now, you know, I'm sure that they had that in the pipeline for however long, but I'm, I'm sure that because of the rise of TikTok, they brought that on earlier. So I think with everything that's happening, we have to constantly stay flexible especially in social and you can have your kind of I would say your base plan of what you want to talk about and how and you know who you're trying to talk to but how you're going to do it is what's going to change. Absolutely I couldn't agree more I think we talk about this so much with our client partners and also internally as an agency is kind of that balance between being proactive and reactive and how you need to leverage your channels in order to do that because now more than ever and especially for organizations like the British Red Cross who are responding to you know multiple concurrent emergencies or crises whether they're here in the UK or overseas or global um, you just have to be prepared to be unprepared if that makes <laughs> any sense at all you you need to have an idea of where that reactive activity can sit within your portfolio and build that understanding and buy-in across your organization as well that all the best laid beautiful you know campaigns they're great they still have a place in the world mm. but we do know that with channels like social media growing and the media always changing, we just need to be flexible. We need to be reactive to whatever is relevant and current because that's front of people's minds. And we see that all the time with emergency campaigns. We actually had a, a, an internal agency day yesterday and one of my colleagues ran through the kind of year on social media and what had changed. And it's so funny watching them all chase each other's tails and introduce the same yeah. things that someone's <laughs> just introduced a month before. It's actually quite hilarious. But um, we also found a crazy stat, which is that the average UK adult will spend over six years of their life on social media now. Oh, gosh. Which is so scary when you think about it. It's longer than I went to university. (laughs) But it is your job too. It is my job, yeah. Let's let's play on that. (laughs) (laughs) And looking at how these trends are changing, let's look at what you've done at the British Red Cross specifically in the past week or two and looking forward to the end of the year like what what does your social media campaign look like from say late November up until and including Christmas yeah so for my team in particular um something that we have decided to focus on um is social e-commerce and that came about because we so we have Instagram shop and we have Facebook shop And it was something that when we looked at the start of the year, how much had come through before, you know, us not pushing anything, we weren't pushing products, anything. And we saw how much money had been raised. We were like, this is a this is a golden opportunity for us to bring those two things together because people are obviously coming to the channel, seeing our content and buying through our shop. 
but we're not talking about it on our channels and mm. that's such a missed opportunity mm. for us so that's something that we've really been focused on this year as a team so making sure that we highlight products that are that we know that are really popular and sometimes they're different on Facebook and on Instagram because of the audiences um, so like I was saying um, on Facebook we have a slightly older audience they love the tea towels they love Christmas baubles they love Christmas cards and then on Instagram, we've seen a huge increase in um, kind of well-being products. So candles um, and all the products that we have that have been designed by refugees um, have done really well on there. And I think one of the strengths of that is that on Instagram, we talk a lot about our support for refugees and the work that we do. And people are really supportive of that work. And one way for them to be part of that cause is to buy those um, products that are designed by refugees and they feel that they're not just buying like a random candle but they're buying a candle that's designed by refugee and when you get it it has a bit of their story on there so there's more to it than that um, and that's something that we've really been focused on from sort of like mid-November and we're going to be following it right through mm -hmm. until sort of like mid nearish December because we also have virtual gifts which are perfect for people who um, you know with Royal Mail strikes and delivery and everything else. And um, last minute shoppers last, like me. Last minute shoppers <laughs> like you, yeah. So you've got some virtual gifts where you can support the cause and support individual appeals as well, which is really nice. So that's like one side, because like I said, it's never simple at the Red Cross. It's never one focus. Why would there ever be? Um, and then we've got gaming as well. We've got an incredible lead of gaming called Georgia Patton, who works at the Red Cross, and she's She's like the gaming expert and we've really been experimenting with live streaming and gaming and raising money through that. And that's something that my team has been supporting her on with Jingle Jam, uh, which is like an online fundraising, live streaming, gaming event that happens um, with Yogscast and people basically game and raise money for charities and with Jingle Jam they have I think 12 charities that you that they support and we're one of those charities um and we have been getting people to be part of Jingle Jam and we will get the donations from Jingle Jam but people can also donate directly to the British Red Cross mm -hmm. so they can create their own live stream gaming fundraisers as well so those are the two aspects that we're trying to support um, because they work really well with our channel and we know that people respond to those really well on our channels. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, there's a bit of a shift just before Christmas, is it? Into yes. the sort of well-being yes. support that yeah. people need at this time of year. Yeah, so we tend to find that like come like 20th December, so the closer you get to Christmas, people start to reach out to us for help. And a lot of that comes from past knowledge from our channels in terms of like when we have a peak in direct messages. Um, and that will be people reaching out to us for help for, and it can be a range of things, but it's usually food, support for food, um, support for like heating, electricity, and even mental health support. So we have a support line that people can call and just talk to our volunteers about what's going on in their lives and we will signpost them to their best services that's near in their area. And because we get that feedback from support to care from the support line, we've been able to work on how we bring that content onto our social channels. So we shift, I would say that like nearer the Christmas period, we shift our content to focus on well-being. So how people can look after themselves, look after the mental health of their family, their friends, um, and really sort of like 
almost take that step back from the, I would say that for us, it's about quietening down what's happening on our channels and giving time and moments for people to pause and reflect and to breathe and to take in what's happening around them and that's something that's really important for us because we've noticed that people really appreciate that and they appreciate that advice and they appreciate the kind of not hard sell last minute this all the time and they they like the fact that we're thinking about their mental health and their well-being um, and we'll all we'll always look at the comments and use the comments to help us create the content that we see that people want from from our channels yeah and with that sentiment in mind what would you say in your opinion is like the latest that a charity can put out a christmas appeal on social media it really depends on what you want people to do because i think if you want people to donate you have to bear in mind that the closer it gets to christmas the more people are going to be focused on buying presents for their family and their friends and all that kind of stuff so i wouldn't leave it too late because if you think and it's always really i always say to people that when you're thinking about any campaigns or anything that you're doing think about your own circle of friends and your family and how they behave and think about you know if you saw a campaign 2 days before christmas saying donate you'd think to yourself oh, but do I have the money to donate? Because I still need to get this thing for my partner. I still need to get these things for my kids. And, you know, so I don't I don't know if I can donate, but maybe I'll like a post or something. So you have to always think about, you can put yourself into that situation and think about those things. So for us, our Christmas campaign sort of started mid-October, you know, um, sort of seeding that out. And after Halloween, we kind of let Halloween pass because yeah. people love Halloween, don't they? <laughs> they love Halloween. We do. And then as soon as Halloween is gone, then we kick into gear. Um, but I wouldn't leave it any late. I would say you definitely want to start in November. You don't really want to leave it in December unless, unless you don't have anything that's like a financial call to action. Mm -hmm. If it's more around engagement and awareness and maybe kind of building a brand message, then you could probably leave it a bit later because then you're not asking too much from people. Mm -hmm. I would say it really depends on what it is that you want from your audience. That's kind of what you have to bear in mind because if you are going to ask for money, you can never just ask for money, assume that people are just going to give it to you. You know, I've tried that with my dad and it doesn't happen. <laughs> so you have to wine and dine and build up that relationship. You know, I compliment my dad in Jan and I keep complimenting him till eventually he will give me money. You know, so it's that kind of similar situation that you have with your audiences and your supporters you want to give but you also want to get something back from them but in order to get something back you have to keep giving and you have to support and nurture and encourage that relationship before you can ask for money can't agree more Nana. can't agree more it's it's a it's a long-term game I think everyone sees Christmas as this kind of golden cash cow mm. and you know it's true people like I think nearly 50% of the UK public say they are more likely to give at Christmas than any other time of year. And we do see, I think, about a third of income is yeah. raised in Christmas compared to like any other month. So it's true. But I think we need to remember that a donor is for life, not just yeah. for Christmas. Sorry to steal <laughs> another charity's very good Christmas campaign of years gone by. Um, but yeah, you've got to think about that onward journey and that relationship that you're building and what that means. And I think it's really amazing. It's so nice to hear that you consider your supporters and your audience's well-being at this time of year. And that's reflected in your communications, because like you say, in the long term, that pays off because look at where your brand is in kind of in there point of view what's their attitude towards mm. your brand there's one that cares for them just as much as they care for you and I think that that's 
what it's all about really building relationships yeah 100 percent. and so you've got to be clever essentially in the way that you ask for your um christmas donations and but i mean it is striking you you said about a third and it's it's from the enthuse intelligence quarterly research they said that 34 percent of people who give more at christmas say that they do so because charities are more active in asking people to give Mm -hmm. um so there's clearly potential there um so hannah we have a few weeks left until Christmas. Unfortunately, it's not part of my job to plan a Christmas campaign because I know that you should be starting in May and there would it would just be very unfortunate for my organisation um, if that were my job. But what tips do you have, particularly for charities with smaller budgets who are looking to make a fundraising push between now and Christmas Eve? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, no, it's never too late to ask and and you should never be scared of asking mm-hmm. as long as you're doing everything else right as well. So what I mean by that is if you are going to leverage some of your own channels, um, things that are essentially free. I mean, they're never really free, are they? But, you know, emails, your social media channels, um, the phone. It's such an alien concept <laughs> yeah. now, but you know what? That golden thing called surprise and delight, <laughs> you know, if we're speak- picking up the phone and speaking to our supporters at Christmas and just remembering to do the other things as well as ask. So ask, fine, make it a really tangible and kind of meaningful ask. Mm. But also don't forget to have a two-way conversation with your supporter. Don't forget to ask them how they are. Don't forget to thank them, make them feel valued. I think that there's small things around kind of supporter cultivation that can be really kind of quickly cheaply um and easily enabled um at smaller organizations i think so many times we see you know big brands and big charities with huge budgets putting out these like super flashy and expensive mm-hmm. christmas campaigns and that's great but you have to start by looking at the lower hanging fruit and what's available to you in fact any good innovation process would start with that mm-hmm. like what do we have internally Um, that we could use and shape into a product or campaign and so whether that's just a really great story that you've heard from a volunteer or someone that your charity supports that you think yeah it's the 10th of December but actually I think a few of our high value givers would really love to hear about this story and I can just relay it over the phone or you know it won't take me that long actually to pop some pictures and a story into an email together try things like that you know don't don't be afraid especially with those low cost and kind of in-house own channels obviously red tape and internal processes <laughs> permitted but you know just don't, don't be scared to test things I think but just remember to make it about engagement rather than take 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 and if we could just go specifically into emails because clearly that's a very mm. fast low cost means of, of reaching people um we all get flooded with thousands of emails. My inbox is quite embarrassing in terms of the number of unread ones. My, my personal one, I have to say, not not my uh, third sector. But every every email is uh, assiduously read. To anyone read. listening, Lucinda's a great employee. What are your tips for getting people to open those emails and actually engage with what's inside them yeah two very different things so opening an email um you have such a very very small chance to get someone to to open an email not necessarily chance but I mean the subject line's got to do a lot of heavy lifting um but also just your timing um and thinking about who you're sending to as well you know 
yeah, fine. If you want to send it to absolutely everyone in your list, that's great. You know, test what happens, but also maybe think about if you can segment your audiences down and send really tailored content and tailored emails to specific groups, because we know that if we do that, we often see higher open rates because things are like you were saying, Anna, like if someone finds something relevant, then they're much more likely to engage in it. And then in order to engage, well, that's again about like creating those two-way conversations, giving someone the opportunity to do something other than just donate. Could it be sharing on social media? Could it be following you on social media? Could it just be like replying with a message or signing a petition? Like there's so many other non-financial ways that you can get people to engage. And I think by thanking people and opening up kind of a direct line of communication as whether it can be direct or not, depending on the size of your file, um, I think is a, is a really great way to to boost that engagement. Um, something that I, I actually to give an example of this, I found it last year and I missed out on it last year, but this year um, I've been totally addicted and I'm not normally like, I'm, I'm normally a kind of dabbler in things and I'll dip in and out, but I've been totally addicted to the Injustice Advent Calendar by Transform Trade. And you can still sign up if you want to and see the content that's been going for the last seven days. But they send you an email every day and it's got a different kind of engagement opportunity in there Mm. every day. So whether that's signing petition, writing to an MP, but it's super informative. You find out all about lots of different things. So it's mostly around sort of trade and fair trade farming, but also there was something recently which was about poisoning of the waters. So there's loads of different angles that they come to. I find it a bit of a value add. Like I'm learning, I'm really interested. It's really new, it's engaging. But actually they're getting a lot of value from me as well because I'm taking all of these little actions and I'm wondering whether Christmas Day is going to be an ask for a donation or whether they're going to do something different. I'm excited. Excited to see what it is. No, that is very interesting and very original. I'd, I'd never heard of anything like that. So... There's clearly different things that can be done that don't involve a huge production. Mm. So I wonder, Nana, do you have any tips for smaller charities that may not have the budget for a big campaign? How can they engage with audiences over the festive period? Yeah, so I think something that Hannah sort of said and we've spoken about earlier is really knowing your audience. I think a lot of people overlook that quite often because they think oh if we've got a really simple message we can just put it out and people are gonna love it that's not necessarily the case it's you need to take the time to understand what your audience want from you and need from you um and if you spend that time looking into your and it's a different mix so you can look at comments look at what people are saying on your posts you can look at how people are responding to your content look at the engagement you know look at what people are sharing what people are saving what people are liking because even those three metrics will tell you something different so whenever we look at our social metrics we'll look at what content's being saved the most right we found that mental health content is what people are saving so that's what people want for the long term because they're willing to save it what content's being shared right our refugee messaging is being shared so we know that people want to use that because they want to share it with their audiences they want to share it on their own channels so it's really important to look at those metrics separately like it's great you can look at them all together and think right this content has great engagement but when you look at the individual metrics you start to kind of understand the strategy behind what you're doing and I think if you invest some time looking at those metrics then you can start to think right if this is the content that people are saving then we know that people want to 
kind of keep this content. They want to come back to this content. So what more can we do to make sure we give them that kind of content? If this is the content that people are just liking because they think it's really good or whatever else, then you know you can think about where's the best place for that and when can we bring more of that content in? So I definitely think it's about understanding your audience and understanding their behaviors and what they're doing with your content and that will help you produce better content for your audience and then if you've got a message that you really want to get across then you can look at how can I get it across in a way that I know that people like you know don't be afraid to experiment with different formats as well like last year for us Instagram carousels were big for us and there was something that was our most saved content this year, it's reels. I mean, reels are everywhere, but not just reels in the sense of just chucking a video on Instagram, but reels that have tips with voiceovers. You know, we get more saves on videos with voiceovers than we do with videos without voiceovers. And that's something that we will look into. I like the kind of nitty gritty detail of stuff like that. And I will literally be like, but what color did we use in that video? You know, maybe it's the red or something yeah. like that. So I think it's just about spending that time to look at those metrics but also what your audiences are doing on your channels that will help you create the best content to reach people I was just going to say as well actually for smaller charities you know when we talk about audience insight and analysis and research everyone thinks oh I can't afford to Mm. do that or we don't have the we don't have a research and analysis team but really there's so much you can do like Nana said by just looking through your own performance on your own channels um, from picking up the phone and speaking to people again (laughs) You know, a lot of the research work that we do when we start to embed ourselves with charities would be like, can we speak to any of your supporters Mm. Um, or do you have any, you know, can we do any surveys? These things are harder to do in in the shorter term, I guess. But yeah, have a look and see what your audiences are already telling you, because if your key messaging and your proposition are all founded on that insight, then you're going to see greater success in the long run because you're meeting audience needs and you're creating content that's shaped to tied to their motivations. Brilliant. Well, Nana Crawford from British Red Cross and Hannah Akett from Raw London, it's been an absolute pleasure having you as guests. Uh, Thank you so much for all of your invaluable insight, advice, tips, and just being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've had a great time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week for another episode. So if you've enjoyed this one, make sure to subscribe to the Third Sector podcast to be the first to know about it. And we are still running our podcast listener survey, not for all that much longer. So if you have any thoughts on our podcast, such as what topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, then please do fill in the survey. You can find the link in the show notes and it should take you no more than five minutes to complete. For now, I'm Lucinda Rouse. And I'm Alina Martin. Thank you to our guests, Nana Crawford and Hannah Akit, and our producer, Nav Powell. Join us again next week.